0: What's up everybody and welcome in to this special Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. It's 8 p.m. on a Tuesday. I just got in from Nashville, Tennessee. My wife and I had a great vacation and of course we're going to go to a historic wrestling city like Nashville. Same city that had Jerry Lawler and the Jarrett's that used to go through Nashville through the Memphis Territory. Same place that Ric Flair took on Ricky Steamboat for the NWA Championship that 3rd of 3 great matches took place in the city of Nashville, Tennessee, and we are here back in Chicago, and never mind about the past, we gotta talk about the present, but before we talk about the present, I want to remind you to check out Good Karma Wrestling, if you have not checked out our show, you really should, 7pm Eastern, 4 Pacific, every Thursday, And it's Gabe, it's Brian, it's yours truly, and we give you the best in professional wrestling conversation right there. Of course, you can watch us on YouTube as well at Good Karma Wrestling at Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Good Karma Wrestling. And of course, the podcast as well. Just look for Good Karma Wrestling and boom, hit that subscribe button. You never miss an episode of Good Karma Wrestling. But this is a special Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, and I am jacked that you have checked out the podcast. We're going to talk about not one show. Not two shows, not three shows, but we're going to talk about four shows that took place over Memorial Day weekend. How blessed are we as wrestling fans that we can get multiple shows around Memorial Day weekend? So I'm going to review quickly four shows that I saw uh, while I was on vacation. It is amazing how much terrific wrestling's out there. We're blessed. The idea that there's just one company or two companies? No, there's multiple companies that are really giving us quality wrestling. And for a switch for me, if you know me for a long time, I'm going to do something a little bit different than I normally do. I'm going to start off with NXT. How about that? I'm going to start off with NXT. We're going to talk a little bit about Impact. Also, we're going to talk about AEW and their Double or Nothing show. And, of course, what happened in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia at WWE United Champions. But first, let me flip the page and talk about NXT, Battleground, in Lowell, Lowell, Massachusetts. So the main event was the NXT Heavyweight Championship with Carmelo Hayes against Braun Breaker. When I watch Braun Breaker, I see every bit of his dad, Rick Steiner, from the Mid-South days, uh, from his early WCW days. Braun Breaker, the son of Rick Steiner, is everything, everything in the ring. He's sharp. Uh, I think that he's strong. He reminds me so much of his dad as far as his impact moves that he makes. And so, Braun Breaker, to me, is ready for the next level. He's been a babyface in this NXT brand. He's a heel now to get on Carmelo Hayes. I haven't seen a lot of him, but I want to watch him just for the, one of the first times just to see what he can do out there. Man, he could fly. His impact moves, they're pretty smooth. They really are. I know that um, we're going to get Baron Corbin against uh, Carmelo Hayes soon at NXT, but I'm just telling you that Carmelo Hayes as NXT champion, to me, I want him to have the the best matches possible in NXT, because when he goes to WWE, I don't know what Triple H has for him. Usually, he sides with guys from the New England area where he grew up, you know. So maybe Carmelo Hayes will get over uh, on a SmackDown or Raw brand, but man, he flies through the air. He is. Really incredible to watch as a young wrestler in this company. Um, Doesn't make a lot of mistakes in that ring. And so Carmelo Hayes over Bron Breaker, which I really liked a lot. I really liked that match. That was a great match. But the best match on the card for me, and I had to look at the card first before I hit play on the Peacock, right? And that was Ilya Dragunov against Dijak. When I found out that that was a match on NXT Battleground, I go, oh, ho, 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 ho. (laughs) ho so I saw Ilya Dragunov take on uh, what was who was then called Volter. Now he's Gunter, of course, a dominant intercontinental champion for WWE. Dragunov against Dijak. I'm like, okay, Dragunov, a shorter wrestler, but a powerful wrestler. It size does not matter with Dragunov when he takes on some of the bigger athletes out there. He took on Donovan Dijakovic, Dijak. I'm like, oh, it was everything. Can I just tell you? If, go out of your way to find this match, NXT Battleground, from Lowell, Massachusetts. It was in a tremendous um, matchup. I mean, you talk about Last Man Standing. It's one of the best Last last Man Standing matches that I've ever seen. And I'm not trying to be the prisoner of the moment. I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of Last Man Standing matches. That was fantastic. Find that match. Uh, jack against Off. If you like brutality, if you like uh, guys just going after one another and not pulling any punches, not pulling any chops, check that match out. That was the best match on the card. Noam Dar took on Dragon Lee in a Heritage Cup match. It was kind of one of these matches that was very popular in the UK where it was it's a rounds system. You know, I watched Noam Dar like I watched Dragon Off at NXT UK. And I was so impressed by off; Those matches with Gunter were just amazing. Physical matches. I saw Noam Dar, and I think I said on this podcast once upon a time that Noam Dar is one of the best heels in WWE that no one knows about. Cause I was watching NXT UK every single week and I just thought that the action was fantastic. It was a great idea by Triple H trying to take advantage of what was going on in the UK scene. And uh, Noam Dar is a smarmy little heel And now he takes on Dragon Lee, and he had helped to win this this matchup. But I like Noam Dar a lot. He's carrying around that Heritage Cup uh, championship. So I like this match very much so. Go and watch that match as well. Um, I just want to just point this out too before we move on. So it's amazing how the WWE does this. The WWE can bring in a wrestler. And if that wrestler decides, no, I want to do something else, no. You know, you're not going to pay me. I'm not going to come back to the company anymore. They will replace you. They have an assembly line of replacements. If there is a wrestler that is unhappy in WWE, they'll find them. Tiffany Stratton won the uh, women's championship in NXT. She came down. This is the first time I've seen her. She walked down the aisle. I'm like, oh, my God, they replaced Mandy Rose just like that because the persona is the same. She's supposed to be this, you know, great looking blonde and you know, buxom, great body, you know, salty tongue, attitude, you know, kind of the woman of 2023 as far as wrestling is concerned. Um, and, and so <laughs> I watch her, I'm like, my God, Mandy Rose leaves and Tiffany Stratton, she picks right up where Mandy Rose left off. It's, it's almost the same wrestler in a lot of ways, the same look. And I said, there was not a drop of sweat after her matchup that she had as she won the NXT Women's Championship. I'm like, wow. Mandy Rose is gone, what, not even six months? Boom, they replaced her. Yeah, like, as if Mandy Rose was never in WWE. Just that quickly. It's amazing. By the way, good to see Gallus out there. Gallus was another a group that I really enjoyed from NXT UK. See that they're NXT Tag Team Champions. They took on the Creed's. or the Creed's could be something. The Creed Brothers, they could be something. Hmm, really liked what I saw there from them. But Gallus is, you know, that old school group that I really liked, and uh, it's good to see they're NXT Tag Team Champions. But Creed's and Gallus, they, they should be hooking it up again sometime soon. This is my quick overview of NXT Battleground. Great crowd in Lowell, Massachusetts. Love that they use Sean Grandy, the longtime voice of the Boston Celtics, to kind of do the voiceover at the beginning of the show. I'm like, boy, they really put some time into this thing. Uh, and NXT usually is in Orlando at their performance center. But for them to go out... And to have a good crowd, I didn't see ticks I didn't see the official attendance because I've been away, uh, cause I, so I didn't study that. But it just looked as if it was a crowd that was familiar with uh, the cast, uh, familiar with the roster for NXT. So NXT Valground, thumbs up for them. Again, there's a number of young wrestlers I had never seen before, only I read about. But I took time to say, okay, Hood, I know that you've been against NXT uh, since the black and gold brand left. Let's take a look and... I was really impressed with two or three matches on this card. Impact Wrestling. Oh, boy. Okay, so Impact Wrestling had their show on Friday. I don't know why Impact Wrestling feels like they should have their pay-per-views on Friday. I know that the traditional wrestling time is to do it on a Saturday or Sunday, but they have theirs on Friday night, and that's what happened. They had their under-seed show uh, for Impact Wrestling taking place uh, in uh, London, Ontario, Canada. That was on Impact Plus and uh, on their platform. Okay, so <laughs> you, see, you hear my hesitation. So a couple of things, just a couple of notes from this. It's good to see Nick Aldis uh, over Kenny King. I like both wrestlers very much. I've always been a Nick Aldous fan. Watching what he did at Impact the first time, and then from there watching what he um, did with the NWA. He was the face of the NWA for a few years, uh, and it's good for him to get out of there now because it's just a disaster without him. But Nick Aldis, it's good to see him in the ring. I just know that if you put the title on him, there'll just be a whole different tenor to that product. I don't know if he's going to be the next heavyweight champion at some point. I have no idea, but I just think that Aldis being in the ring against a veteran like uh, Kenny King was very good. Uh, I saw Dirty Dango against Joe Hendry. (laughs) So Joe Hendry's there, the digital champion. Dirty Dango, I mean, it's Fandango who's over. But as Dirty Dango, um, again, comedy from Dirty Dango. But Joe Hendry, you know, if I had my own promotion, I would try to get Joe Hendry to be part of it. I think, you know, just because he is musically inclined because he could sing, he gets a crowd into it, um, say his name, and he'll appear. (laughs) I believe in Joe Hendry. I like him. I've seen Trinity wrestle three times now with Impact Wrestling. Sorry, the Chicago tapings, very happy for Trinity that she's there. It's just, uh, you know, it's something about Trinity where... She hasn't gotten out of the blocks just yet at Impact Wrestling. She defeated Giselle Shaw. That's fine. Uh, The women's group and the women's division has been solid for Impact Wrestling for quite some time, going back to when Dirty Dutch Mantell was running the knockout. So I want to see more from Trinity. I I imagine she's going to be champion at some point. It's just something about that company. I know Impact's not WWE. You and I both know that. But I just hope that Trinity can be able to break through and not just be an impact, but maybe get to New Japan, maybe get to, you know, some other independence, and really try to work on, um, try to work on herself as not just former WWE wrestler Trinity, but as someone that can be her own, be her own personality. I watch Mercedes Monet, and I just think that uh, you. Yes, you knew she used to be in WWE, but it's way in the back of your mind. Trinity's so new at Impact Wrestling, hopefully that she'll be able to shine on her own and leave WWE in the back in the background. Uh, Trey Miguel really liked that match against Chris Sabin. Um, Steve Macklin against PCO. Okay, let's talk about that just for a second. Watch this match, and I, <laughs> I knew PCO wasn't going to win. I know that PCO is a hundred years old, but he could take a hell of a lot of punishment. But Steve Macklin hit a geyser, a gusher. Uh, he hit an artery, and he bled like I've never seen before. I've seen Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, and I've seen so many bleed before. But Macklin, he looked like he hit an artery after this match, and there's just you can't see his face anymore. Just you talk about a crimson mask. His whole face was red, and I'm like, bro, a little color, <laughs> a little color. You know, like John Boxley gives you a little color. Just, yeah, not the whole face. Like, you know, it just... It's, I mean, Macklin is supposed to be a, a heel as the Impact Champion. Makes him a baby face though when he bleeds like that because you feel bad for him. Lastly about this, or well, a couple of things. One, Jordan Grace loses her match. Makes me wonder if Jordan Grace is leaving Impact Wrestling. That's everything I keep reading. Where's she going from here? I'd love to see her in New Japan. I think that she'd be a waste in the AEW because it seems like the, uh, looks like the the vacancies are not available. <laughs> there's no vacancies because that roster is filled with stars, Ring of Honor, and um, AEW, everything that they're doing there. So I don't know if there's any room for her. WWE, probably not. But I'd like to see her maybe in New Japan someplace. Looks like she's going to be finishing up at Impact Wrestling. The, but the very last thing is Bully Ray putting Scott DeMar through a table. I know that you might have seen this at GKW underscore Wrestling on Twitter, as I retweeted that uh, a couple days ago. Bully Ray putting Scott Demore through a table. Oh, not just a table; the table set on fire. And I would just ask, did that make Scott Demore a babyface? Are we supposed to make? Are we supposed to feel sorry for Scott Demore? Because I do not. I do not. I, I don't know why Scott Demore gets so much. Uh, TV time—it's just—it's—it's it's really weird to me. I know that he's one of the guys that's putting this, this show together as an executive producer or whatever. He gets a lot of TV time, a lot. And so when he went to the table, he's a Canadian. The show's in Canada, and nobody cared. Nobody cared. Kind of like Impact Wrestling. Nobody cared. Is it not a shot at the wrestler wrestlers as a, a shot at the company? They just, uh, it is amazing how Impact Wrestling continues to stay alive. Do you realize that Impact Wrestling has been around longer than WCW and ECW? Again, not a shout out to wrestlers. Just where, it's just kind of a company where it's hard to follow exactly what direction they're trying to go in. They have good young wrestlers that I like. And then here comes... You know, PCO. Here comes Scott D'Amore, Here comes Bully Ray, and it's kind of like, yeah, these are all ECW names that you know. But what's the future of the of the company, Steve Macklin? Let's go to WWE United Champions. But first, let's talk a little bit about Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I have merchandise available for you. I want you to stay in contact with me. Listen to this podcast if you're listening right now. I want you to stay in contact with me. Hit me up um, on Twitter at Good Karma Wrestling. uh, GKW underscore wrestling. uh, As well as um, on Instagram at Good Karma Wrestling as well. Make sure that you stay Connected to me about everything that's going on in professional wrestling. Check it out. And we got merchandise. We've got t-shirts. We have got uh, mugs. We've got tumblers. Check it out. It's in the bio of Good Karma Wrestling on uh, Instagram and GKW underscore wrestling on Twitter. Check it out. Um, we got so much merch for you. We want you to put on uh, the shirt and the show that you support, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. WWE United Champions in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Okay. So, I'm a guy that usually ignores a lot of these shows uh, from uh, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, because it's ultimately, you know, Saudi Mania. That's what it is. Uh, It's the WrestleMania for Saudi Arabia. But, you know, there was more on the line this time than normal. It's starting with the WWE Championship or the World Heavyweight Championship, whatever this is supposed to be called. The new world's champion is Seth Rollins. I'm still confused of exactly what um, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, is supposed to be if Seth Rollins is the world heavyweight champion. I don't understand. So Rollins is the world heavyweight champion and Reigns is the universal champion? What's the difference? I don't understand. So Seth Rollins becomes a champion in a fantastic match against AJ Styles. A match of the year candidate, in my view, of uh, Rollins and um, AJ Styles. If you haven't seen this match, go back and watch it. I knew that Seth Rollins was going to win. Just didn't know the match was going to be this spectacular. But I should have known because Seth and Styles are two technicians in the ring. AJ Styles and Seth Rollins know how to make their opponents look good. And they also have a plethora of moves. I was really impressed by these two. Yeah, I think it's a match of the year candidate. I really do, and Rollins wins the championship. Hats off to Seth Rollins, because he gets the crowd into it wherever he goes, whether it's a live event or uh, on Monday Night Raw. My God, he gets the crowds behind him, and there is no turning back. This is not going to be a heel Rollins anytime soon, because I'm sure he's making merchandise money, hand over fist, because people like Seth. It's just weird. He swings his arms, and he wears these really. Crazy outfits, and he he has this cackle of a laugh, and the fans are into it because it's just different. And I'm happy for Seth; he's in in a real groove and a real um, and is really catching stride right now as a performer in WWE. So I'm very happy for him. So we go to um, Trish Stratus against Becky Lynch. I like that uh, Becky Lynch keeps wearing these Kill Bill outfits. Have you seen this? It's pretty cool. If you, know, you ever seen the movie Kill Bill, she's got the all-yellow outfit. I thought it was really nice. Trish has not lost a step. She isn't. And, and, and when I look at her as a heel, I know that ultimately she's the ultimate babyface, but it just shows her range. She could be a babyface or a heel. She's a heel in this situation. And as, as, while she's being a heel... She's helping Zoe Stark out from NXT in a big way. Zoe Stark's in the main roster. This is great for Zoe Stark. Trish Stratus against uh, Becky Lynch, give me that as often as possible. Trish hasn't lost a thing. And with Becky Lynch, it's just kind of like Trish, kind of like Edge in in Edge's return. Trish still is sharp in the ring. And I thought this was a really good match. And i like to see it more often. So, after 500 days of being uh, a women's champion, Bianca Belair loses to Asuka. Two things with this. This was an excellent match. Uh, we've seen it a couple times now. And I'm happy for Asuka. I'm happy for Bianca, quite frankly, because she doesn't need the championship anymore to prove that she is one of the best baby faces in WWE. I'm sorry, one of the best baby faces in wrestling. Let's just do that. Bianca's just that good. She is so connected to the fans, so connected to little girls, so connected to the guys. It, it's one of these things where Bianca Belair is the, the woman that guys want to be with, and girls want to glom onto. That's exactly what it is. Little girls see her, the big braid, she you know, dances down the uh, the aisle way, and she's become this kind of iconic star. Uh, for the modern era, for 2023. She's going to be a movie soon. I just think that she's that good. But a couple of things. Bianca didn't lose anything from losing the championship. People love Bianca Belair. But the other side of it is Asuka. So here's what I want to point out about Asuka. It's amazing what happens when you have a little bit of a tweak of a character. You'd, you go away for a while. You have a tweak in your character, a little change of the face paint... And you become almost a new character. That's what happened to Asuka. It wasn't the same Asuka, the one that just won the championship in uh, Saudi Arabia. It's a different Asuka. She still is a tremendous wrestler, as you know. But it's just, you notice just a tweak of the character a little bit. She's a little bit crazy. Sometimes we saw her vignettes without the paint. Sometimes she had the paint. Sometimes she had regular hair. Sometimes she didn't. Uh, it's such an interesting dynamic in this version of Asuka versus the last one. Because the other one, not growing stale. She always was solid. But you just sometimes you just need to go away, come back, and just tweak the character. And boom, look at her now. Once again, champion. So I thought it was well done by both ladies. And well done by Bianca Belair. With 500 days as champion, outstanding. So Brock and Cody, let's talk about that. <laughs> so Brock got his win back. That's one thing. But the other thing is, is that it's this Cody Rhodes, this, damn it, this guy, man. Cody Rhodes whether it's against Seth Rollins, whether it's against Brock Lesnar, whether it's against Roman Reigns, you can't help but to think what if when it comes to Cody Rhodes. I'm watching him against Brock Lesnar at Night of Champions. And for you, some of you you, you, uh, old school fans, you'll know where I'm going with this. God, he looks like Dusty in there. And and, and I don't mean like physically, I'm talking about the emotion. It's like his dad. Because the whole time I'm watching that match, I'm thinking, what if, what if Cody wins this match against Brock Lesnar? Because. The storyline is he's got a broken arm. And then when I saw him come in the ring, he reminded me of his dad. Because his dad used to be in peril as well. You know, messed up leg, broken leg by the horseman. Or he got jumped by some group. And here he comes. Like the old cowboy. He's going to keep fighting anyway, knowing that he's hurt. And the same thing with Cody Rhodes. The same thing. He's just got a suit on. Like his dad has some suits on, but Cody's always got a suit on. But when he comes to fight, he comes to fight. Now here's the thing about this match. Like Brock says he wanted a fight with Cody. Wasn't a fight. That was not a fight. That was um that was a little bit of a brawl, but pretty much a wrestling match. The whole thing was billed as Brock says I want to fight. He didn't fight he didn't fight Cody. So we didn't get the fight that we wanted from Brock and Cody because I don't think Cody could fight Brock. Not one on one. Not like that like not like Dusty could fight Brock back in Dusty's uh prime. But nonetheless, Brock got his win back, but it's so interesting watching Cody because just through his eyes, just through the pain that he was going through, it kind of reels you in to think, boy, what if Cody just comes out out of nowhere, just gets a victory, gets a roll-up like he did the last time. What if, if Cody wins? And that's the thing that's the magic about wrestling is that the person that you might be rooting for or you're watching the match and you're thinking... Well, what if, right? And what Cody wrote, he just reminds me so much of his dad. Fighting from underneath. Against all odds. And in this case, Brock won. But I'm sure there's going to be another match between Cody and Brock and somewhere down the line. So then we get to, <laughs> to this matchup here with Solo and Reigns against Zayn and Owens. And Jimmy Uso snapped and he kicked the Tribal Chief in the head. This storyline, let me tell you what Roman Reigns told a reporter during WrestleMania. He said, all these other storylines we see in wrestling is fast food. But what we're doing here with the bloodline is filet mignon. You're going to have to wait on this meal. You're going to have to wait to see how this meal ends. He says, everything else is two weeks, three weeks, you know, right through the storyline, get to somebody else. And, and he goes, the, this whole thing with the bloodline is so different. He's saying that this is filet mignon, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, First of all, it was an excellent match. I don't want to get away from that. That was an excellent match. The match had a slow pace because they were more focused on the storytelling than packing as many moves into each minute as they could. And it worked well for what they were trying to accomplish, especially because Zayn, Owens, Reigns are great storytellers in the ring. And Solo will be there, I'm sure, at some point as well as he moves along in his career. But Jimmy drilled Reigns with a super kick. And Jay yelled at him. "It's like, hey, what are you doing? And Jimmy said, what he's doing is what Jay should have did a long time ago. And he kicked Reigns again. (laughs) Wow! Wow! And the fans, which were great the whole time, the fans in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia... Because this, this is their Wrestlemania. They really, really love that. They love the idea that Roman's got his comeuppance. Because Roman stood up and he he just kind of put his hand and tried to kind of muff Jey Uso. Muffed him again and Jimmy said, no, nah, F that, you're not doing that. Bam. And that's what happened. What a, what a, just a great story. Because now Friday on Smackdown... Everyone's going to watch, and an abundance of well over two million people are going to wait to see what Roman Reigns has to say about how he got kicked in the head by his, by uh, G- uh, Jimmy Oso. Gosh, what a great story! <laughs> it really is is the best story in professional wrestling, and you see, it's coming to an end at some point. And I'm not looking for it to end. It can go as long as it wants to, because you know, Sami Zayn is there and he's speaking Arabic which is awesome and you saw Roman Reigns with a genuine smile in the corner if you watched this, he was happy that Sammy was home there's so many different angles and things that you see when you're watching these shows where you can see Roman just very happy for Sammy, genuinely, away from the wrestling, away from the storyline but then it got into it when the bell rang of course but boy, oh boy, now nah, I can't wait to Smackdown what's going to happen now, what's Roman going to say now And then Solo Sokola, again, won't say much. What's on his mind? What's on Paul Heyman's mind? Is there another Samoan coming? There's a number of other Samoans that are available that can come into this story. But, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. It really is. Hey, don't forget, we've got more wrestling conversation for you coming up on Thursday uh, at 7pm Eastern, 4 Pacific for Good Karma Wrestling. It'll be Gabe, it will be Brian, it will be me. we will be breaking down a lot of what we're talking about here and more. Make sure that you're with us on uh, every Thursday. Again, twitch.tv forward slash Good Karma Wrestling. Also on YouTube, youtube.com. Go to Good Karma Wrestling. The links are in the bio of this podcast. So just click after we're done and uh, you can make sure that you're with us every thursday for good karma wrestling last thing i have for you is aew i want to save this because this was longer uh than knight of champions longer definitely uh than impact wrestling show and nxt battleground find it interesting that nxt battleground want to take on this show AW's flagship event Double or Nothing. Now, of course, Shawn Michaels will go. Uh, uh, I had no idea. Uh, I had no idea that we we're going against AW show. No, that's not what we. We just want to take care of. We just wanted to have a show on Memorial Day weekend. Okay. Maybe Shawn didn't know, but Triple H knew. <laughs> so he wanted to have a good crowd in Lowell, Massachusetts that he did. But but again, this is Double or Nothing in Vegas. I want to talk about the wrestling, then I want to make one other comment about what I've been seeing uh, online since I've been away on vacation about um, what's going on with this show. Okay, the AEW Worlds Championship, the four-way match with the Pillars, Darby Allin, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, um, Sammy Guevara, and MJF, the champion. This was excellent. It was the best match on the card. And all four guys busted their ass. All four guys put together a fantastic match. I've heard people say this reminds them of uh, matches in the UK or matches in Mexico. I don't know about all that. All I know is that this four-way match delivered. Now, the build might have been a little clunky. And you didn't know who was a babyface or a heel. It's good to hear the Sammy Guevara and... Uh, Ty Mello are going to have a baby. That's awesome. We found it out before uh, the matchup took place. That's awesome. That's cool. But MJF proved why he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Because you don't see him very often. It's, it's perfect how he's being utilized in AEW. In that, when you do see him come out there, he gives you a really strong effort. And MJF is still going to be known as a wrestler that could have come along in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and where you are right now. Because in the era where everyone has to fly and everyone's trying to go through a table and everyone's trying to uh, fly through a a ladder, um, here is MJF staying pretty much stationary doing what he does in the ring, inside the squared circle, didn't do too much. He does not do too much, but he does a lot. MJF is the kind of wrestler, the kind of heel I grew up watching, without the profanity and all the other nonsense. Um, but as far as the in-ring, that's what a heel used to look like. He's just a little bit more aggressive than the heels I grew up watching, though. And so I think that after this four-way, here's what I think. If these are the four pillars of the company, and I really don't think it is, I think I'm going to talk to Brian and Gabe about that coming up on Thursday. It's one thing to say that these are the four pillars. I actually don't think they are. I think that uh, there's four others I think we could consider as pillars of AEW. But after these four wrestled, MJF is one, Darby Allin's two, Sammy Guevara is three, Jack Perry's four. Jack Perry came across as a dumb babyface. You mean to tell me you're not going to use a weapon when you have a chance to use one? Can't do that because I'm a babyface. He got booed in Vegas for that. I think that Darby Allen really has expanded on his personality and those promos leading up to this. I think he did a very good job with that. Sammy Guevara was in and out. He was he was on the side of MJF. Then he was had a babyface promo that no one really believed. Then he's kind of heelish. He's kind of like you know this hybrid. And Sammy Guevara has to be further along in the company and further along in the title pitcher for the fans to really decide. I think he was, he was more confusing uh, than accepted all throughout this whole thing. So, but I think that Darby Allen, out of these four, MJF's already established. I think Darby Allen did a lot for his career. Did a lot for his personality because he was just a brooding raven sort for a long time. Just sitting in the ring or just waiting for Sting to come out. But I think Darby Allin established himself as a singles wrestler that could be a champion at some point. AEW champion. The fans love him. Um, so that was great. Anarchy in the ring. <laughs> oh, man. God almighty. This... It was exactly what the name is, Anarchy in the Arena. You, you, you talk about, if you're going to have a gimmick match, it's got to deliver, right? Anarchy in the Arena. When I say that, Anarchy, you know what that means, in the arena. That's exactly what it was. The Elite against the Blackpool Combat Club was amazing. What's even more amazing is that Wheeler Yuta gets the pinfall over Kenny Omega. That even surprised Brian Danielson in the press conference afterwards. He goes, that doesn't happen in all the other companies. No way that a youngster like Wheeler Yuta would get over on Kenny Omega in a match like that. But that's exactly what happened. That finish surprised me. It did. Wheeler Yuta surprised me. Because Yuta is the one who usually takes the pinfalls. You've got John Moxley, Danielson, Cassie Yeah, you would think Yuta would be the one, but Yuta gets the pinfall. So the finish surprised me, but boy, if you haven't seen that, go back and watch that. That was an amazing just spectacle. I can't say it's like a great match, I'm sure that it'll get wrestling observer votes for match of the year and all this other nonsense. Uh, but I don't think it's not meant to be a wrestling match, it's meant to be anarchy. And, um, great, great idea by AEW, by the way, to have the announcers at ringside while those eight guys are going crazy. Sheesh. The blood, the, the, the carnage, <laughs> the anarchy. That match was just amazing. AW Women's Championship. Jamie Hayter loses to Tony Storm. Perfect timing for Tony Storm to be champion. I heard her talking crap in the uh, post uh, media scrum saying that, hey, this whole interim nonsense was bullshit. She didn't like that. She just thought. Hey, she should have been champion all along. When that whole thing happened with Th- with Thunder Rosa, Tony Storm as a champion works for me. The AEW World's Women's Championship matchup that works for me. If Jamie Hater's not one hundred percent and then, and she needs some time, I get it. Jamie Hater though was a really good lit- litmus test of if fans speak out, if fans support a wrestler, they can be champion or they can be pushed. And Tony's, and it's funny, I was talking to Tony Khan, you can go back to the archives of this podcast, I was talking to Tony Khan, and I told him there's several wrestlers that really get a pop when they come to Chicago, I only based on Chicago, and Milwaukee, because those are the shows I've watched AEW in, and when Hayter's music comes on, she got a a crazy ovation, I told Tony Khan that, it surprised him. The other one was, you know, the Lucha Brothers, of course, because they always get a pop, but Jamie just in the Midwest, where I've been watching shows, people like Jamie Hayter. and that's one of the reasons why she's champion. But Tony Storm is as a heel champion. I think this works. I think it definitely works for me. Um, she's part of this this group now. That group is getting over. It's getting hot. So I'm happy for Tony Storm. She's a tremendous wrestler, top ten wrestler in the world as far as the women's division is concerned. She's just that good. Um, so. Then we get to the tag team uh, championship matchup with FTR against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And Mark Briscoe was a special guest referee. This went longer than I thought it was supposed to be. I think that went like, I don't have a watch, but it felt like it was about 15, 20 minutes. What <laughs> if Jeff Jarrett's involved, it's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of moving parts in a match with Jeff Jarrett. It was not a bad match. It was believable that Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal could have won because... You know, you've got Jeff's wife out there, Karen, and you've got Sanjay Dutt, and you got the big guy out there. Like, oh God, there's so many things going on. And you know, I I, I thought it was a good match. Um, I think it could have been a little shorter, but uh, but you know, boy, Mark Briscoe taking a, a a guitar shot, Aubrey Edwards, the the official, the backup official runs down Karen Jarrett, hits Aubrey Edwards with the guitar. What the what? Karen Jarrett's a hell of a heel. She still looks good too, by the way. She looks like her DNA days. She hasn't aged a minute. So, um, but I thought the match was a little long, but I thought it was solid. Um, it, the Blackjack Battle Royals, one of the best Battle Royals I've seen in a while. Um, and the reason why is because it was physical. It wasn't guys just standing around. Everybody was trying to get their shit in. And I loved it. I, I thought it was a very good Battle Royal. And uh, I thought that, is there a way for Orange Cassidy to lose this one? No, it came down to him and Swerve. And the finish of it was just so simple. A little kick to the arm, Swerve lost his balance, boom. And then Orange Cassidy, let me tell you something. He is the greatest leadoff hitter. I'm going to use a baseball metaphor. The greatest leadoff hitter in professional wrestling. They roll him out there to start Dynamite seemingly all the time. He's part of this Blackjack Battle Royal. And guess what? He wins that one too. He is just amazing in this ring. And his character has has evolved. People really enjoy him. And so I thought that was great. Uh, Just a few other matches that stood out. And we're almost to the end here. Um, The ladder match for the TNT Championship. (sighs) Okay. Christian Cage is at an age where he's not going to do those ladder spots as much anymore. But does that mean Wardlow has to do all of them? There could have been a serious, for real, serious injury with Wardlow as he tried to jump from the ropes to the, to the ladder. The ladder collapses on his ankle. Because snapped his ankle. That's a 300-pound man. And again, it's impressive if he's able to make that leap. But he doesn't have to do that. He was on top of a ladder and went through a whole bunch of... He was at the top of the ladder on the floor, okay, if you saw this. He's on... The ladder's erected on the floor, He goes all the way to the top rung and does like a a dive onto Christian or Luchasaurus, one of the two. I'm like, why does he have to do that? I I didn't... Just because you can do it, does that mean he should do it? He's a 300-pound man. He does the same thing that... He's doing the same moves that Commander would do. That that Bandito would do. I, I just... I just don't want a tragedy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm just I, I'm just befuddled because it's kinda like you're a big dude, man. All your stuff should be around ringside or should be in the ring. All your power moves. He's on top of a ladder? He did everything that Christian used to do when Christian was younger. I just didn't like this match very much. Arn Anderson comes in there and tries to stop uh you know Christian sidekick there, grab you know, biting on biting his thumb. You know, you can tell that Arn's like bleeding from the, the mouth with a blood capsule coming out of his. I was just. I don't know. This that was okay. I didn't think it was great. Yeah, I'm impressed by Wardlow. Could he do these things, but did, should he have to? <sighs> so, would he get Wardlow and Luchasaurus next? I really thought that tie of Valkyrie was going to beat Jade Cargill for the TBS Championship. Because the crowd was into it as if of Valkyrie was going to win that championship. I thought she should have. I, um, Jade Cargill, <laughs> she's getting better and better every time I see her, quite frankly. Uh, because I criticized her for a while saying she was kind of colored by the numbers. Kind of do the same things over and over again. But I, uh, I was impressed by Jade Cargill. She showed some things I hadn't seen before. And that's cool. And she takes on Taya Valkyrie. I thought Valkyrie could have won. But then Chris Statlander comes out after uh, Jade beats Taya. And Chris Statlander wins in less than a minute the championship. Now, I did not have Chris Statlander on my bingo card thinking that she was going to come out there and win the championship. Of course, Mark Sterling says after the match in which Jade defeats Taya, you know, we'll take on all comers anytime. Looking for new competition. Here comes Chris Statlander. She did get a pop. Uh, I didn't expect that pop. I don't. I haven't missed Chris Statlander at all. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't follow her on social media, so she just kinda kind of came out of nowhere. This easily could have been Taya Valkyrie winning the championship, and all of a sudden switching the spotlight off of Jade and then putting it on Taya versus Chris Statlander. Statlander comes out, pushes Jade out of the way, and then you know maybe Chris Statlander says, "I want a, a matchup against Taya Valkyrie." But that's not what happened. Chris Atlander, who's been often injured, wins a TBS championship. Okay. <laughs> just, I mean, she's been she's been injured several times, and they put the title on her. Okay, I don't agree with that. I think Taya and um, should be the champion. Should have been the champion the first time. Uh, should have been the champion at Double or Nothing because she's just that good. She looks great. She's a tremendous wrestler. She's just not some veteran wrestler they put on the roster. She actually should be champion. And um, she loses twice to Jade. Okay, no shame in that. But then here comes Chris Statlin out of nowhere. And she wins a title. Okay. Uh, the AEW World's Trios Championship with the House of Black taking on... Uh, <laughs> yo, yo, listen, listen. Those guys are great. The acclaimed are just a tremendous act. Um, this match was about 15 minutes. I, they put the, they kept the heat on Anthony Bones. Tell me if I'm wrong. 11 minutes? 12 minutes? He was in the ring a lot. And then Billy Gunn comes in. And of course, Billy Gunn can't go as strong as he used to. He takes the pinfall 1-2-3. Hmm. A little bit of a flat finish, but you knew that was going to happen with Billy Gunn being in there. I guess the House of Black. House of Black are just they're a a roller coaster. They're a steamroller. They have been really good as trio's st- champions. They look unbeatable. I know they're not, but they look unbeatable. Especially when they they are menacing when they come down the ring. Their presentation's great. I like them as trio's champion. The unsanctioned match with Adam Cole against Chris Jericho. If it's unsanctioned, why was a referee stoppage? I don't understand this match it just lost it for me at the beginning. I don't know why Sabu had to be part of this card. I don't know, he's controversial, Sabu. Um he's fighting people with a suit jacket on and a, a dress shirt. So that makes it unbelievable and he's got his headdress on, okay. So he put he goes through one table and then you don't hear from him again. It's like it just there was kind of like this re- this feeling of a retro pop. For him, But I didn't understand why he was in this match. And it, this match really couldn't get out of the blocks for me. Cole and Jericho should have been better. And it just wasn't. It's, it's amazing how Jericho and Roderick Strong was better. Than this match against Adam Cole. Again a lot of moving parts. Unnecessarily. Unsanctioned match. Here's somebody here. Somebody there. It's like oh god. it's just It was just way too much for me. Uh, I'd like to see Adam Cole against Chris Jericho one on one. Without any outside interference. And let's see. Two of the best go after one another because this was the shits. For the second match on the card, on the main pay per view, just I didn't think it was very good. It just never connected. Uh, so that is, and of course the, the Hardy Boys, and I, I hope Jeff Hardy's okay. He didn't he didn't look good. The uh, the Hardy Boys, the Hook, I guess Ethan Page and the Guns. That was the buy in matchup. Okay, so my last thing on this about Double or Nothing AEW is this. Let me, let me get to this because. I can't tell you as a fan how to feel, but I can say this. Um, I think it's really amazing how some trolls, the supposedly wrestling fans, love, love to be able to point out the issues in wrestling as far as the company is concerned. I kept seeing video and pictures of empty seats at Double or Nothing in Las Vegas. Now, my opinion is, is that if, and to me, the crowd never affects me as a wrestling fan watching at home or wherever I am. I was in Nashville watching it and I'm watching the pay-per-view. And I'm like, okay, I'm just watching the ring. Whether the fans are not mic'd well by the production staff or whatever, I, I couldn't care less. So for, for some people, and you hear this on wrestling podcasts all the time, well, the fans weren't in it, so the match wasn't very good. That's not the case. Some wrestling, we as wrestling fans are not all the same. You can get a hot crowd in Chicago, get a hot crowd in New York, get a hot crowd in Puerto Rico, a hot crowd in Los Angeles, hot crowd in Dallas, depending on where you are uh, and which company it is. You know, and, and, you know, there's certain places where fans are really into it and some places are not. You know, like WWE keeps going to Corpus Christi. They don't say a word. They don't draw well. They don't say anything. You know, I mean, you go to Minneapolis, terrible wrestling crowd, a a traditional wrestling city that didn't say anything. Why? Because they've been WWE trained to just be able to sit there and watch like it's theater. And unless Steve Austin or The Rock are coming out, no one says anything in some of these cities. And because they've been going to wrestling matches for 20 years and used to just sit on their hands and just cheer when the bell rings. <laughs> so, uh, when people say, well, Vegas, you know, it was, it was only 10,000 people and there's a lot of empty seats there. Well, you know, listen, uh, if, for every empty seat, whether it's WWE, whether it's AEW, whether it's Impact, wherever, any empty seat means there's a problem in marketing. Is it something they didn't do? Vince McMahon would, used to agonize over three or four empty seats in a sold out arena, agonize and say, We didn't do something right because this is not completely sold out. They say, oh, Vince, you know, it's in the upper deck. He goes, nope, we didn't do something right because there are empty seats in my building. Didn't matter where it was, what city. And so the same thing can be said about AEW. AEW, again, is a young company. They may bark loudly, some of them, but ultimately they are still a young company. And if Las Vegas is not the right place, they need to go someplace else like St. Louis or they need to go someplace else like, you know, uh, in, in Detroit, they need to go someplace else and so, or like Dallas. Some of these hot cities, they're waiting for to get a good wrestling show. But, but my point is that it doesn't disrupt me as a wrestling fan if fans are not cheering in a show that I'm watching. I just and I get so tired. I've been talking about this on GKW underscore wrestling as well. Over oh, those empty seats. Nobody cares about the product. The product's in the mud. You know, and then the AW fan shows all the empty seats at Nissan Stadium in Nashville when they had their show there or on the hard camera side, which is, there's no no fans on one side of the whole stadium. But nobody can. But I don't care about that. I just care about good action. I don't care who's there. <laughs> we have so much interaction on, on social about, oh, empty seats, no one's going. Okay, so do empty seats stop you from being a wrestling fan and going to the shows? Or watching the shows? I just... That, that constant trolling is just stupid and it holds back um, certain fans that are in between on whether or not they should buy a ticket or not. If a fan sees empty seats at a WWE show, you think that WWE fans are going, ah, stay home because nobody goes. I, I, my My popularity or my fandom is not based on who's going to the show. It's based on who's on the show, not who's in the arena. I don't get it. This is a special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much if you're listening all the way to 50 minutes into this podcast. Thanks so much for checking it out. And I want to get your feedback. Give me your feedback. If you've listened to this, give me your feedback on everything that happened over Memorial Day weekend. Again, hit me up on Good Karma Wrestling on Instagram, gkw__wrestling. We're placing this everywhere, this podcast, so you can give your thoughts on what happened on Memorial Day weekend. So, Thanks so much for checking us out, and uh, don't forget, Thursday, Gabe, Brian, and I, we got you for Good Karma Wrestling right here.